Hi there, my name is Carrie Conover and I went from classroom teacher to ed tech leader to CEO in five years. I'm here to share the stories and wisdom of teachers who have successfully transitioned from the classroom to the boardroom. Today, I am joined by one more classroom to boardroom graduate, another success story. I am so excited to welcome Jessica Seiler to the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Are you like nine feet in snow right now? Like, are you buried in snow? Because you're in in New York, right? Yeah, no, we're not buried in snow. Um, it was a little bit overcast today. Um, no, we are, we're fully in the clear. I'm in the city. So I feel like sometimes the city totally doesn't get as much snow as everywhere else. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. It's been, you know, I'm outside of Chicago. So every day is a different day here in Chicago. It's <laughs> right. either snow, sleet or sun, who knows, but totally. I'm glad to know you're, you're safe there. So you, recently moved to New York City, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm a native New Yorker. So I was always, you know, wanting to live in New York City. I went to school in Indiana, um, got my, you know, license in education, special education and elementary education. It's kind of like me telling the story of who I am. Um, Yeah. Let's go. Just tell us your general life story. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Let's um, just get into it. Sure. Um, when I graduated college, there was a hiring freeze in New York City um, for teachers. And so I looked around to other cities nearby that were close enough to New York that I could get there by train. Um, and DC was one of them. So I started to teach in Virginia and I ended up teaching there for nine years. So this is my first time fully back in New York city and I love it. Do you feel like you, this space away from it made you appreciate it more? I think so. I think you learn a lot about yourself when you're having to make new friends in a new city and, um, learn more about who you are as a person when you become independent and you're living away from home full time. Uh, so I think it definitely, it definitely has this other appreciation of, okay, wait, I'm back in my home and all my friends are here, but I can also make new friends and that's fun too. Okay. You know that I went, I mean, I grew up high school, middle school, high school, college in Indiana. Like I went to DePaul University, which is very close to Indiana University. I'm older than you, so we would have never crossed paths. But how did you end up at IU? Um, oh, good question. I was the person that went on those college tours and was like, so how many people from the tri-state area go here? Um, and immediately when they said like 90%, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to go here. Um, cause I really That's wanted awesome. to, yeah, I wanted to be independent and branch out and do something that was uncomfortable. Uh, I think that's always something that I've wanted to do was to put myself in not necessarily uncomfortable situations, but situations where you definitely have those moments where you feel uncomfortable, but you can succeed. Um, and so Indiana was one of those places that I love the Midwest it's a big 10 school. I love sports. So there was a lot of sports going on. 
And what I didn't realize was a lot of my friends from camp or a lot of my friends from growing up that I had in different circles, they all went to Indiana too. Um, so I ended up having a big group of friends there, which was nice. Also. That's so cool. Yeah. I feel like I wrote down while you were talking, I wrote branch out, uncomfortable, succeed. And I actually feel like that's your story with classroom to boardroom. Yeah, it really is. So you taught for nine years, yep. you had your master's, you're really doing well teaching. How did you know that it was time to do something different? Yeah, I feel like my journey or starting to feel like I needed to do something different came in like the second or last year that I was at school. Um, I felt like either I didn't know I wanted to be in the corporate world, or I didn't want know that I wanted to be at a company, but I also didn't know if I still wanted to be in the classroom either. Um, and I mm. feel like that's such a not odd thing to say, but I feel like that's such a big thing to say. Like I just didn't know. And so going into the pandemic year, I was actually going to teach abroad in Israel for a year just to like find my love of teaching again, because I do. I love teaching. I never left the classroom. And I think this is so important for me to share up front, but I never left the classroom because I didn't love teaching. Like that was never the reason why I left. Um, I left the classroom because I knew that I loved teaching so much that I wanted to do so much more outside of the four walls. And I think that's incredibly important also. And that's a really important aspect of education. I actually believe you when you say that Yeah, too. Like some people say that because it's like what you're supposed to say, but I actually believe you when you say that. So I'm imagining that with that, you probably had some guilt with leaving. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I'm, I had been working at the same school for nine years with the same team. I had never changed schools and you can imagine moving from going to school in Indiana, then moving straight to Virginia. Now this is like your home. It's your second family. It's, you know, the people who show you love and support every single day, getting and leaving those people that was so difficult. Uh, but I also knew that I needed to be back in New York. It was something that I needed. Um, it was also something that was so important to me that I felt like I could make a difference in ed tech and a difference in education if I was somewhere else. Um, and so once I had those two things in mind, telling the people that I worked with or telling people that I was, you know, working around every day, that this was what I wanted and that this is where I wanted to go. They were so supportive and they were like, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, I needed to put my happiness first and my career choices first, but also I felt like I was doing so much more and doing something bigger that it definitely took part of that guilt away. I don't think you ever lose the guilt though, when you're going through the process, like you're sad about leaving your students, you're sad about leaving your school, you're sad about leaving, you know, everything that you know, because it is such a big step. So I feel like there is that guilt regardless. I'm going to totally take a right turn here for sure. a second. 
when I, um, with Classroom to Border in the course in the community, often when I meet people, um, there are certain people where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to help you find a job or place you in to one of the, you know, open roles that, you know, because I have partnerships with certain, right, mm-hmm. um, tech companies. And so, like, there are certain times where I meet someone with, like, a couple minutes. I'm like, oh, I can see this person here or there. And one of the things that always sticks out to me is when someone is very articulate and is able to kind of tell a story or answer a question and know when to stop speaking. And you do that so well. And it's something that has stood out to me about you since the first time I met you that you're never in our community sessions. You're always there. You're always present. You're always contributing, but you have like such a great um, perspective on like the right time to speak, how long to speak, what to say, and when to stop. And that is a skill, like a soft skill that I think is sometimes hard for educators because a lot of times teachers are used to being this, well, not all, but some teachers are used to being the sage on the stage or the one always having to kind of lead everyone through everything. Um, so I just wanted to tell you that, like it's even, you're doing that in this podcast in such a great way. Thanks just makes you seem prepared and polished. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So let's talk about your journey from going from being a teacher to your first job outside of the classroom. What did that journey look like and how did you do it? Oh, well, that was a tough one. I felt like there were so many bumps in that road. Um, and I, like I said, you know, it was the pandemic. Um, I think I started to, you know, really be so dead set on it. Um, that I wanted to make the transition. And it took about a year. Um, I think I applied to a lot of different roles at first because I didn't really know where was the best fit for me. And then also I started to recognize as I had interviews or first round interviews and did different tasks where I actually wanted to be. And part of that was learning a lot about myself and learning about what I was looking for in a company, but also what I wanted to do for my next step. And I realized that I wanted a customer facing role. So I definitely wanted to interact with customers on a daily basis. I didn't want to be behind the scenes, although that does sound very cool. Um, I love talking to different people and having different relationships and forming different relationships. But also then I started to realize that the mission of a company was so important to me. It Mm. needed to align with what I was comfortable doing and what I believed in and who I was as a person. Um, So I started to get kind of picky with the companies that I would apply to. Um, And then really it all happened when I wasn't paying attention. I was one of those people who always said, I'm going to work during the summer, not because I needed to, just because I wanted to. Um, I was always somebody who worked at camp or did all these different things. And this particular summer, um, summer 2021, I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to not work. And I'm going to uh, go to New York and hang out with family. And that's when it all happened. And I think it was because I took my mind off it that everything kind of happened, but everything happens for a reason. So that's what they always, I, I equate so much about career change and job hunting to dating. And 100%. I think that's what they, yeah, 
Yes. And that's what they say about people who are single too. Yeah. Like as soon as you take your mind off of it. Um, and I even think about like when I met my husband, like, oh my gosh, we just realized that we've known each other 20 years. Wow. Which is kind of freaky. <laughs> I know. And, um, but like, I even think about when I met him and I was single, it was like one of those nights where my friends had to like drag me out of the house. Like, come on, go out for a little, it was like a Wednesday night. Right. Yeah. And then boom, our worlds collided. And, it, but I think there are a lot of things about job hunting that are like dating. Yeah, definitely. Think about that conversation. We've all kind of been having in our community about the difference between like determined and desperate. It's kind of the same thing with dating, right? Totally. Like if you're desperate to find a partner like that comes off in the dating process and if you're desperate for a job or desperate to make waves on LinkedIn or desperate to be seen on LinkedIn which is what we've been talking about in our group a little bit more mm -hmm. like it shows yeah and you do have to go on a few bad dates like good point like there are going to be those you know bad first dates like that always happens um, so I think that that was almost, it came as a welcome surprise. So, and I do remember emailing you and calling you and being like, I have a problem. Like there's, there's too many now. Like, don't you remember <laughs> that email? <laughs> um, yes, I do. <laughs> we had, um, we had some really, one of my favorite things is when, um, classroom to boardroom students, cause like as you know, I'm very protective of my time. Yeah. Right. Like it's very clear when you go into classroom to boardroom that like, here's your course. I have so much knowledge for you. We meet this one time a month in our group coaching. And if you want time outside of that with me, like you pay for that extra time. Yeah. That's how I respect. It's how I respect my students. Right. Cause if I just gave all my time away for free, I wouldn't be able to write great blog posts. I wouldn't be able to form relationships with ed tech companies. So, um, it benefits everyone actually, but when my students do get to the point where they're getting job offers or they might have two job offers, that's where I start giving my time away for free. And I'm like, okay, let's sit down and talk through this. I mean, last night I was driving my daughter to dance and there was a classroom to boardroom student going over her contract with me. Like, but that is my favorite time because yeah. that is like, we are there, baby. Like this is happening. Yeah. So, but yes, I remember that conversation so well. Yeah. And you were so great about it. You were like, just do what feels right. And here, here's the pros, here's the cons. And I was like, yeah, this makes so much That's sense. That's a hard situation sometimes because I don't like, it's literally people's like future in my hands. Um, so it's, sometimes it's hard to be neutral because I want to be like, take this job. Yeah, I know. Take this one, take this one. But it's like, I can't make the decision for you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just have to live and learn. You made a great choice. So let's talk about, um, just that first role. What are you doing? Tell us about where you're working. Yeah. So I work at Otis. Um, it's O-T-U-S and I am an onboarding coach. So I work on getting schools rostered, finding out their goals for using our software, getting their data in the system. And then I work on training their staff and how to use our software. And so I spend a lot of time talking to customers and talking to people about what their goals are and then how they want to use our software on a daily basis with their staff and with their students. Um, and I, I love it. I love every single second of it. Um, when my dad kind of explains what I do to his friends, he's like, she teaches, but she teaches adults. And really yeah. that's really what I'm doing. I just 
transitioned from teaching students to teaching adults. Um, and I love every second of it. I love the people that I work with. My company is so amazing and they care about the people that work there and the group of people that I work with have made the transition so easy. And actually today we were talking about, you know, how we do icebreakers, but not really icebreakers. They're more like just fun questions that kind of get us talking and you learn so much about each other, but also no one is going to look at you and be like, hello, tell me what you're thinking. Uh, and I think <laughs> that that's so, no, that's so important too, because, you know, you learn a lot about who you're working with, but it doesn't always have to be about work. And yeah. that is part of the, you know, the climate and the culture. And that's incredibly important when you're looking for a job and looking for where you're going to land and you feel safe. And I think that was the one thing that I loved about the company that I'm at right now. I love about Otis is that I feel safe and I feel valued. And that is so important. I think that one of the things for me is those people relationships that I've built at every single job I've had for my 22 years of working, those relationships have come back and like, I mean, just over and over and over paid me back. Like I wasn't building those relationships at the time thinking, oh, I'm doing this because later I'm going to get something out of this. But I just actually cared about people and what was going on outside of their lives. Yeah. And I think at work, sometimes if you're in the wrong environment, it can be work, 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 and not like, oh, how's your dog? Or how was your dog's surgery? Or how, you know, like having the human bond. So I'm so glad that you ended up at a place like that. That makes me really happy for you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about there's sometimes the lines of like implementation manager, customer success, customer support, like sales, like those lines can blur. So do you do any work like in your current job with like renewing the school's contracts or any of the, of you, is your work at all evaluated on customers renewing or staying with the company or is that a totally separate job? Actually, at my company, that's a totally separate job. So our client success team is made up of three separate sections. Um, the client support specialists, who are an amazing group of people, and they are always there to help and run our intercom like it is their jobs, and they are so knowledgeable in everything that our platform does. Then awesome. there's the onboarding coaches and there's a set of us and we all work with people who are right directly after sales. We work on getting you rostered in our system, how you're going to use our system and those first few, you know, training sessions, that's all us. And then there's the account managers and they're the ones who do that extra, you know, renewal process and keeping you engaged and doing all those things. So I really am that sweet spot of, hey, let's get you rostered. I'm your first person that you're going to meet from Otis, aside from a salesperson. And let me show you what Otis is all about. Here we care. Here we show, you know, we want to make sure that you're using our system the way that it works and how can we make it work for you? Um, so that's what I really love about my role is that it's still that, you know, bonding aspect. You're building those relationships, but it's also that creative aspect of, okay, this one client came to me and they want to use it for this, but this other client came to me and they want to use it for this. So how do we make Otis work for both? Um, awesome. And so that's fun to me. Well, and, and this is, we talk about this a lot in classroom and boardroom, but this is the difference too between a teeny tiny startup to a mid-sized company to like a well-established company. And 
customer success or client specialist or whatever you want to call it, that like umbrella expands as the product grows and the company grows and the revenue grows. So like when I first went to eSpark and I don't know, maybe we were 25 employees at the most, like our customer success, we did all of that. Like we were doing the support tickets. We were onboarding. We were doing the professional development, some traveling, doing professional development, making sure the technology was set up correctly. And we were doing the renewals and expansions, right? Right. I mean, I feel so blessed because I learned like all of those jobs. And then by the time I left, we had an entire like support team. We had an entire like PD team. We had, you know, and then I was more looking over the whole entire revenue of renewal and expansions for all of the account management team. But so that is something that we talk about a lot is um, there's some nuanced differences. And sometimes companies don't even, you know, they might call it customer success. They might call it implementation, but sometimes they don't even know exactly what it is. You're going to have to kind of be a jack of all trades, but it sounds like at Otis, you're established enough that you can have those separate teams. Yeah. And we definitely work on different projects for different people. We're an all hands on deck kind of team. So if anybody needs help, we're always willing to help. But I think when it comes to my specific roles and responsibilities, um, that's, those are my clearly defined roles. Let's talk a little bit about the skills that you are required for working and onboarding. Sure. Um, Just about everything on a soft skills list, for sure. Um, (laughs) Personality, personality, personality. Yeah, exactly. Um, Definitely being able to adapt. I think, you know, there, like I said, there are so many opportunities and different times where we have to come up with different ideas. And the teamwork aspect is so important. I know that any single one person on my team, I can call them or, you know, Slack them or send them a Zoom link and we can problem solve for 15 minutes and then talk about something else for five. Like it's just that moment where you're able to have those conversations. I think in any role, regardless of your onboarding or, you know, customer success, sales, whatever, I think you need to be willing to have that willingness to learn. My dad used to call it a work in progress. You're, you have to always be a work in progress. Like you never fully know. Um, And I think that's so important and such an important thing to think about when you go to a company or go from the classroom to, you know, the boardroom, just because you don't know what it's like. It's an entirely different beast. Like it's just a different mindset. And Admitting that you don't know everything is incredibly hard, but also admitting that you don't know everything is so powerful. Uh, so, I, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So I was just going to say like anything that's on a soft skills list, you have it when you leave the classroom, just because by nature, the classroom is insane sometimes, um, but yep. you also need to take it with you and that work in progress aspect comes in handy so much. I love that. And I, I think I've shared this before, but my, um, I have kind of like a career coach. Um, she does amazing work. She's been a guest on the educators to educators podcast. My other podcast, her name is Dr. Sarita Bakuni. Mm -hmm. And she, she like, she's amazing. You should actually listen to that podcast episode because she like screens CEOs and like big hires and like make sure they're a good fit for the company. 
She's a psychologist. Anyway, um, when I first started my job at eSpark, she gave me the best advice because I was like, oh, this is overwhelming. There were a lot of strong personalities on my team. There were a lot of former teachers. There was a lot going on. And I'm like, what advice? How do I navigate this? And she said to me, I want you to be like a stealth bomber for the next six months. I want you to listen, learn, be under the radar, ask questions. Don't, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the person answering all the questions in the meetings. And so I was, it was probably more like, I think actually she said three months, not six months. And I followed her advice and I just worked hard. I absorbed it all. And then she's like, it's going to be very clear when the time comes that you need to start dropping bombs. Yeah. And she was right. Like, um, I started in September and in January, they gave, they assigned me the biggest client we had ever signed. And I was in charge of it. And it was a huge initiative. And because I was just careful, confident and careful and learning by the time they needed me to take that on, I knew that company in and out. So I think like you are going to be a work in progress. Don't feel like you don't feel you need to prove yourself to anyone right away. Because actually, I think that going back to that desperate kind of conversation, if you go in blazing, you might burn some people. Yeah. And I think admitting that you don't know everything is a sense of vulnerability that people relate to. Um, And what I love also about Otis is a lot of us are former educators. So we've all been in that boat before where you're taking, you know, your experience in the classroom and then moving it to another company. Um, and so we've all been in the boat from the transition also. So I think that that's something that's relatable too. Um, and it kind of bonds you together, but yeah, I would say that effective communication and just, you know, being open-minded and talking to your teammates and building those relationships, even though, you know, you're in a different setting, I think is incredibly important. Absolutely. What are some of the hard skills that you think people need to, to be an implementation and customer success? Yeah. So I think knowing the platform, like the ins and outs of it is incredibly important. I know what it can do. I know what it can't do. Um, I know, you know, where pain points are for teachers, right? Because we've, we've listened to them. And I think that also, again, goes with those soft skills, like listening and learning about where, teachers are struggling. Um, so I think those are really important. I definitely deal with Salesforce, um, in terms of, you know, jotting things down and making notes and annotations. Um, so I would say those are primarily what I'm doing. I also do a lot of data. Um, and so we take a lot of third-party data and we put it into our platform so that teachers can analyze it, um, and look at that third-party data and, that's really important to them. And so I've done a lot of different, you know, CSVs and data files and all that fun stuff. Nice. (laughs) Yes. Those CSV files that I like to call CVS files. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had, I remember having my, my poor boss, Curat, who you probably remember from some of the classroom, the boardroom masterminds. I remember he explained like a VLOOKUP to me like 400 times. (laughs) Yeah. And like Those formulas, no yes, idea. yes, um, are very clear, which we yeah. don't talk about that a lot as far as like a skill, but knowing Excel yeah. is key. Yes. Um, 
I have to go to my husband sometimes still for the V lookup because I don't use that as much anymore. It's just one of those that won't stick. But anyway, okay. Finding so- a person who knows how to work Excel in yeah. your company and yes. is like the master of it is the biggest skill that you could have. Like knowing totally. and recognizing that you're not that person and then knowing who that person is, is so important. I also was buddies with the software engineers, which is harder for you because you're not in person. But like my brother was a software engineer. Um, he was super intro- introverted and I grew up with that my whole life with him. So I'm like definitely not scared of like introverted, wickedly smart people. And so that's how a lot of our software engineers were. And I would just like mosey on over there, cuddle up with my coffee and the chair and be like, hey, G. One of our <laughs> software engineers name was G. He was awesome. I should actually send this to him to listen to, but I'd be like, hi, G, he's the sweetest human being. I'm like, yeah, so I've got an issue and can you help me? And like, it wasn't, again, it was relationship building. I actually care about people. Yeah. Like wanted to know his story, wanted to know about his life. But then also it came in handy when, when I spent the time to get to know him and then I was in like a bind, he was there to help me out, you know? Yeah. So, um, okay. So as we wrap this up, I mean, listen, Jessica, you entered classroom to boardroom. You were one of my first students. A lot of people don't realize classroom to boardroom is only a year old. I think because we have literally so many success stories that people think this has been going on forever and ever. But um, you were one of the first people to come in. You quickly became a strong community member. You've remained in classroom to boardroom as you've taken on this role. You've now become a leader. Like you're always helping people out with their you know, within the course with their resumes and just giving advice. So um, I would love to hear from you. What do you think Classroom to Boardroom gave you that gave you that like extra edge to get your first role? I think the community aspect, and we've talked about it so much at this point, but knowing that there were other people out there who were doing and going through the same thing that I was going through. You know, we talked about getting those rejections or, you know, going on those first interviews, like getting yourself through that is really hard. Um, and we've had people in the community talk about, you know, that, that first rejection and what that feels like. And it it was such a safe space to feel vulnerable and such a safe space to have those communications, but it was also this really safe space for positive reinforcement and just positive, Mm -hmm. you know, just a whole positive mindset. I don't even want to call it positive reinforcement. It wasn't that. It was everybody's so positive about what they're doing. They know what they're there for. They, you know, have all these different aspects of themselves. Like we find out so much about each other and then you form those relationships. So, you know, talk to people on LinkedIn or you, you know, start sharing text messages or you, you know, FaceTime with uh, with them, you know, different nights. And it's all about the relationship building. And I think that that's also part of networking, which is something as a teacher is so foreign uh, because your network is your school. And once you try to break out of school, you don't really have a network anymore. Um, Yeah. So I think also, you know, that is important, but then the modules also, like those are the, to me, that, that buy-in of, how am I going to even figure out what I'm going to do next? And Mm -hmm. I remember emailing you about sales 
I don't know if you remember this email, but I emailed you and told you that I had a sales opportunity and I had to create a sales presentation. And I created the presentation, gave the whole interview. You said, let me know how it goes. I emailed you and I said, sales isn't for me. That was my, <laughs> that was like, <laughs> that was my line. And you were like, yeah. okay, so now you know. And it wasn't like, I can't believe sales isn't for you, especially coming from you as somebody who worked in sales for a period of time. Like it was just supportive. Okay. Now, you know, like those aren't, yeah. that's not the right place for you. Let's figure out what is. Um, and so it's the support and the community and the reason why I stay, like you said, I love the resume aspect of it. Um, I love giving advice to people about what their resume should look like. Also, you know, how to write it and you know, how it would sell better. Um, so those conversations is probably one of my favorite parts of our meetings on Wednesday. You know, I love community. Like we have a great community around E2E, the other part of, you know, what I run. I always have known community is important. I think one of the things about classroom, the classroom to boardroom community is that listen, I could build a super cheap course and have thousands of people in it. Yeah. I chose to build a super focused, high quality course and it's not cheap. It's an investment for people. Right. Yeah. And I did that for a reason because I want a certain type of person to be in this community, a person who's invested, who can invest financially in this change and take it seriously. Right. And so it was a, a choice I made, right. Is yeah. to make, I want quality community. I want quality members over quantity. Um, and it's really paying off because every time someone comes to the first monthly group session, I mean, we've had people cry that have said like, oh my God, finally I'm in a community of people like me making, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone. Um, and tonight we have our group coaching session and what, I mean, I've, I lost count of how many people are announcing tonight I that know. they got jobs. It's so exciting. And I, and Admittedly, I know about some of them just because we've communicated, you know, you yes. keep in touch with everybody over the course of the month. Um, so it's definitely not a once a month kind of thing where you're talking to, you know, the members of classroom right. to boardroom. Yeah. They become your friends. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's just so excited to celebrate everybody. Like it's yeah. exciting to celebrate people and realize that, what they've wanted is also what you've wanted and you get to share in that joy and that's exciting. Well, and, and there's some people, and I think it's inspiring for mm -hmm. the people who have had a rejection. It's not like, Oh, I was rejected. They got a job. Mostly it's like, that's going to be me Correct. soon. And some people, I mean, we have, I always send out this intake form and I ask like, where are you in the process? Do you have a job? I'm actively searching and interviewing, or I'm just exploring. And we have a wide range of people. We have people that have jobs, we have people who are just exploring and trying to figure it out. And then people hardcore looking. Um, and even within the people who are looking, there's some people that come in and they're like kind of polished and ready to go and get that first role. And then there's other people that kind of have to work on some of those soft skills. And so we do work on them and we talk about them. Um, but I really, I told you this earlier, I'm not sure I've done even in teaching, like I did a lot of meaningful work in those 10 years, but like this work for me really touches me to know 
I'm helping teachers change the trajectory of their life and find happiness again in their career. We spend so much time working. We should like what we're doing. Yeah. It's so meaningful. Absolutely. And I think, I think that comes across for us as members that that's the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not forced and it's not artificial. Um, it's genuine and, and you come at it from a vulnerable state too. So I think that's Mm -hmm. also that, you know, that realness and that's important. Well, I'm so proud of you and, and and your career. I'm proud to now call you a friend. It's been fun. I've got to kind of bring down the walls. I'm pretty vulnerable, like you said, anyway, but really just got to know you as a human being. And I'm so grateful for you sticking around and being um, part of the community. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being there for me when I needed you. Um, and when I still need you, now that you know, we're friends, um, but I do appreciate everything that you've done and this has been awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Well, if you are interested in learning more about Classroom to Boardroom, of course, you can always listen to this podcast. We're putting out episodes every week. You can also check out the course and program that Jessica and Marjorie and all of our success stories have been through by going to classroom2boardroom.net. That's classroom2boardroom.net. Check out the course. You can take it monthly or pay all at once. And you can also find free webinars and free resources. Thank you again, Jessica, for being here today. Until next time, everyone, take care.